Uh, if you got a Bible, pull it out. If you got a phone with the Bible app, pull out your phone with the Bible app. If you don't have a Bible or your phone, it's okay. We're going to have it on the screen for you today. But if you got a Bible, I want you to go to the book of Hebrews. We're going to spend some time in chapter 2 uh, today and um, kind of talk about over the next few weeks about who we are as a community. And as our community is growing, as our church is growing, as we um, are moving forward, um, who we are as we are moving forward is incredibly important. And so we're going to look at the book of Hebrews, and I want to give you some understanding um, just on, I'm going to turn this off, it's annoying me, on the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews was written at a time that the gospel of Jesus Christ was being spread through the Mediterranean world. Okay, uh, these were the first followers of Jesus in that area. Um, they were trying to figure out uh, this new uh, religion to them. Uh, most of the religion in that day and time was pagan sorcery, pagan gods, both. Christians, Jews um, were known as atheists most of the time because they didn't believe in the Roman or the Greek gods, okay? Uh, Many Jews at that time were rejecting the message of Jesus Christ to hold on to the Old Testament. And so, you know, a lot of times in church, there's a lot of confusion between the Old Testament and the New Testament. We always try our best to help you understand the difference between these two different books. The Old Testament brought God's law to the Israelites who were removed uh, out of uh, slavery, um, and God had to give them the law to give them an understanding of how to live as people, but then Jesus comes on the scene, and he fulfills the law, and so now we're not subject to this litany of lists and do's and don'ts, but we are subject to grace because of the goodness of God, and so they were struggling with that, and many times when Christians during this time became Christians, Christians, uh, they often paid a high price. Jobs, family, associations, uh, many times they were persecuted for their belief in Jesus Christ. So when the book of Hebrews is written, it's written to encourage and to empower a group, a community of believers that were really struggling at that time really struggling to find their identity in Christ, really struggling to understand why they were going through persecution, understand their community and what that community should truly look like. And so I really think we can take some wisdom on how our community can benefit from this great book of Hebrews. So go with me, Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 1 starting off, and it says this, So we must listen very carefully to truth we have heard. Remember, there's a lot of people who have become believers in Christ, but they are slipping away because of persecution, because of a lack of understanding, because other people are worshiping other gods. They're losing their way of following Jesus Christ, okay? And it says that we that you may not drift away, okay? Hebrews uh, chapter uh, 2, we're going to look at, we're going to skip, to verse 9, and we're going to look at 9 through 18, okay? It says this in verse 9. What do we see in Jesus? For, for a little while, he was given a position a little lower than the angels. This is meanings when Jesus comes down to earth and becomes a man just like us in a human form. And because of his suffering and death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death 
for everyone. And when the Bible's talking about death, he's not talking about physical death. He's talking about the death of our spirits, either heaven or hell. And so Jesus tasted hell for us. Verse 10, it says, God, for whom God through whom everything was made, chosen to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make us, Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader fit to bring them into salvation. Verse 11. So now Jesus, the one who makes holy, wait, the one he makes holy, has the same Father, meaning this, the ones that accept the good news of Christ, and because of the grace of God, we become holy just like Jesus. We all now share the same Father together as one. This is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, okay? Let's skip down to verse 14, okay? Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. Jesus became flesh and blood. Only as human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power over death. Okay? So the devil has a spiritual power over those who have not accepted the grace and the goodness of God. Verse 16, we also know that the son came to not help the angels, but he came to help the descendants of Abraham. If you look at Abraham in the Genesis chapter, I believe, 12, God declares to Abraham, you're going to be a father of many nations. Your descendants are going to outnumber all the stars of the sky. And we are descendants of Abraham. Jesus came for us. Verse 17, therefore, it is necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be merciful and faithful high priest for us. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of people. Aren't you glad that Jesus takes your sin today? Aren't you glad that he, in him, and all that he did, took all of our guilt, all of our shame, all of our mistakes, nailed it to the cross? Verse 18. Since he himself went through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Okay? As a community, one of the greatest things that we can understand as a community is this idea that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. That through Jesus Christ, because I believe in Jesus and because Ryan believes in Jesus, now me and Ryan, even though we are not blood brothers, we are brothers together. We're brothers united in the common goal of Jesus Christ, okay? So when me and Ian go to dinner, okay, obviously me and Ian's skin color is different, okay? Me and Ian don't see each other differently. We see each other as brothers, we see each other as one united together. And this is God's greatest desire, that as a community, we would see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and then flesh out what? God's goodness and love through that. God wants us to believe the best in one another. God wants us to speak the best about one another. God wants us to be united together in Christ, building each other up, believing each other. When somebody else has a victory, guess what? That means I have a victory. Because I'm united together, brothers and sisters in Christ. And so 
Hebrews chapter 2 has given us some insight on what our community should really truly look like and what we should speak as a community over each other and what we should share as a community with each other. So if we go back to verse 10, it says, God, from whom through everything was made, chosen to bring many children into glory. What does that mean? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. What does that mean? That God is crazy about you today. God is so delighted that you woke up this morning. When you woke up this morning, he said, man, my son, my daughter is alive. They're awake. I am happy. I am pleased. I am sick and tired of this idea that God is angry and frustrated and upset with you all the time. That is not how God looks at you. God is excited about your life. He is happy with your life. And his idea was to bring many brothers and sisters together. It wasn't just for a select group of people. It was for all. It was for all of us here today. It was for our city. It's for our communities. It's for the schools you go to. It's for the people that you work with in your job. This is what Jesus does. He brings us together as one. It says, it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. Okay, so a few things we've got to understand. Okay, only right. This is the character and nature of God. Okay, if you ever wonder about God's nature and character, because when I was growing up in church, I don't know about you, I always had this constant fear in my soul that God was upset with me. I always had this constant running conversation about am I saved, okay? Every night, I promise you, growing up, every night when I would go to bed, I'd be like 11 years old, and I'd be like, Jesus, I don't want to go to hell. I love you. Please forgive me of all my sins, God. I hope I make you happy. I promise you. It was a nightly deal in my soul. Why? I just didn't understand God's nature and character. And the people that were trying to help me see who Jesus was, they weren't doing a great job because they were living in the same fear and guilt and shame and junk and religion. And what they weren't really helping me to see is that it was God's character not to punish you, but to punish his son. How great is that? What a great father that would love you that much that he would take his son and go, you know what, instead of you, I'm going to put it on him. I'm going to make sure that this is my true nature. Secondly, Jesus has to become a human. Because Jesus becomes a human, he understands who we are. So when you're having a really rough day, when your marriage is icky, when you had a horrible day at work and you're frustrated and you slam the car door and and you're speeding down the road because you're angry and you're frustrated, guess what? That means one thing that Jesus understands. Because he was human. He understands what it feels like to be human. He understands how to have human emotions. He understands how to have human pain. He understands what it feels like to be betrayed. He understands because he became a human. 
Third, we ought to understand this, that Jesus became our high priest according to the law of the Old Testament. See, in the Old Testament, the high priest would go into the holies of holies where nobody else could go, which is so awesome that today we can worship Jesus and God's presence is here and his love and his grace is here because that never happened in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the high priest would go into the holies of holies. He would take the blood and he would put it upon the mercy seat and it would be atonement for the whole, the whole nation's sins. But Jesus took that upon him. Jesus took your guilt, your shame, your pain, your frustrations, your bad days, put it into his body, and put an end to it on the cross of Jesus Christ. So he is now your high priest that took care of all of your junk. Fourth, he's a high priest that sympathizes with our sufferings and our testings. See, the high priest of the Old Testament really didn't want a lot to do with the people. But when we look at the gospel, where do we find Jesus all the time? With the people. Spending time with the people. Loving people. And because he was human and because he became our high priest, he has sympathy for me and you. And he understands you as a son and a daughter. And he understands when you're struggling. He understands when you're having bad days. And he understands when you're happy and you're joyful. He understands all of this. And he's your great high priest. Verse 14, it says this. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood, okay, to overcome and destroy the power of the devil, okay? So let's think about this, okay? What is sin, okay? Isn't this a great question? What is sin? You know, when I was a youth pastor, a youth pastor for 16 years, the number one question I got as a youth pastor was like, when I'm dating my boyfriend, um, what is like too far, Pastor Jeff? You know what I mean? Like, where's the line, you know? Or, you know, it would always be those kind of questions, you know? It was always related to be like, uh, Pastor Jeff, um, is marijuana really sin, you know, like it grew from the earth, you know, and uh, I really enjoy it, and it really makes me happy, Pastor Jeff, you know. The question was always this, what is sin? Don't we all want to know? Don't we all want to understand this? Okay, what is sin? I tell my boys, I have three boys. I have a 12-year-old, a 7, and a 2-year-old. Can't really talk to the 2-year-old because he's just 2, and he's crazy most of the time, but... I tell my 12-year-old all the time, I'm like, sin is not God's best for you. So if you get in trouble and you feel like you need to lie to me and mom to get out of this trouble, that's not God's best for you. God's best is that you tell me the truth, and because I'm a good father, I'm not going to hammer you. I'm going to show you what God would do. I'm going to show you his nature and his character. So sin is, is holding us always back from God's best. But you know what I love about this verse? It says this, that he overcame the power of the devil, the power of sin in our life. And meaning this, that he was victorious. Jesus was victorious in all arenas of his life. And because he was victorious, he was able to pay a price for our sin on the cross. Okay? Now, here's the deal. Jesus came to heal broken lives, broken hearts, broken bodies, broken souls, broken minds. Okay? Because 
of his great goodness. Okay? So what does this mean? It means this. That if Jesus could overcome, it means that I can overcome. If Jesus could do it, I can do it. So I'm not talking about hyper grace where we just take grace and we just apply it to everything and go, you know what? You know, God forgives me of all my sins and because of his grace, I can do whatever I want. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm going to tell you right now, sin will ruin your life. Sin will wreck your life, okay? But what I am saying is this, because Jesus overcame, he now empowers me to overcome. Because he broke the devil, I can break the devil's power over my life in Jesus' name. Verse 18, it says this, since he himself was going through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. I'm so happy that Jesus understands temptation. You know, um, <laughs> this was probably a year ago. Uh, we were actually having church um, in the other building, like down where we have kids. And uh, I was just sharing about marriage, and I was talking about my marriage with Jess. And uh, one of the things that I shared about that day was that um, when I was a young man, I had a horrible porn addiction. And, um, and that addiction was really fighting me as I was becoming an adult and a married man. And, and one of the things that I went and I asked my wife at that time was, I said, Jess, will you just put a passcode on everything in our house? Will you put a passcode on DirecTV? Will you put a passcode on my phone? Will you put a passcode on all these things? And I'll never forget, we had this, this young man in our church, and he was a little off, but we loved him dearly. But I'll never forget, he, likes, he like put his arms straight out and started going, remember this? He going, boo, boo. He's like, you should never have passwords or passcodes and everything. And I was like, Ah, yeah, we love you, but yes, this is good, and this is healthy. But you know what I love? I love that God understands my temptation. I love that God understands your temptation. We're all tempted in different ways. Let me share a quick story with you. Um, we were youth pastors in Michigan for nine years, and there was a young man that I met when he was in sixth grade, and... Um, Sorry, I get choked up when I think about him. And this young man, um, he was kind of my kid. I just loved him. And I loved all the kids in the youth ministry, but I loved him in a re really cool, special way. And I saw him become a young man of God, and I saw God do amazing things in his life. And, and, um, and when we left Michigan, it wasn't the best um, terms between us and the church and everybody. And, um, and so for the last few years, um, me and him, we've maybe contacted each other a couple times here or there, but really it's just been kind of awkward. And, and recently um, he got engaged and he had a wedding. And, um, you know, if you would have told me back in, in 2007, hey, you're not going to be at his wedding someday. I would have been like, you're, you're insane. Like, you are on drugs. Like, what are you smoking today? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, me and, like, that's my dude right there. I mean, like, I, I raised this kid. I remember one time he lived, he lived at our house for four months. We just had a special relationship. And so the wedding came, and, and 
And needless to say, I wasn't invited to the wedding, and I didn't go to the wedding. And I'll be honest with you, it was a really painful experience for me. And it was something that really, truly hurt me. And to be honest with you, temptation comes and says, I want to be really bitter, and I want to be really angry, and I want to let everybody know how angry and how bitter and how much of an injustice this is, and I want everybody to know exactly how I'm feeling. Right? I mean, this is how we feel in life. When we're stabbed in the back, when we're wronged, when things don't go right, we want to be bitter. We want to be angry. We want to spread a bad report among everybody about these people and what they've done to me and what they've said about me and how they've excommunicated me out of their life. But you know what? Jesus understands your temptation and my temptation. And because Jesus overcame, guess what? I overcome. That means this, that I don't have to walk in bitterness. I don't have to be angry. I don't have to say one stinking word to anybody about that situation, about what's happened in my life, about that wrong. Guess what I did? I sent that young man just words of blessing and favor and goodness, and I wrote his family, and I wrote them an email, and I just said, I want you to know I'm praying for you, and I want you blessed, and I want you favored. Why? Because Jesus overcome, I can overcome. Because Jesus overcame temptation, I can overcome temptation. Because Jesus overcame temptation, you can overcome temptation in the name of Jesus. Last, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, it says this. So now Jesus and all the ones that he makes holy same, serve the same Father. This is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Paul used this amazing word. It's a, it's a Greek word. It's called Adelpha. I'm, hopefully I'm saying it right. Adelpha, okay? Sorry, I'm not a Greek scholar, okay? If you're looking for that church... Go find it. It's not here, okay? But this Greek word describes this. It says, Paul says that we are a family. So when Paul talks to the early church, he always talks to them not as individuals, but as family, as community as people, brothers and sisters, united together in Christ. So my question today is, how do we see each other as a community? Me and Ben, this morning, we were on the way to church. Ben's my middle son, he's seven years old. And he said, Dad, his, his best friend is named Brayden. He goes to our church. and." They're in kids' ministry together right now. He said, Dad, he said, are me and Brayden really brothers? He's like, because you're not Brayden's dad. And I said, I said, yeah. I said, I understand that. I said, well, I said, why are you asking me this question? He goes, well, I heard you say that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And I said, yeah. I said, even though we come from different homes, even though we have different backgrounds, even though we were all raised differently and we have different families, I truly believe that when we gather as 
Elevate Church, we gather under the name of Jesus Christ. And when you walk in here, you're my brother. You're my sister. When you hurt, I hurt. When Johnny and Nicole are going through something, I feel what Johnny and Nicole are going through. Because that's what brothers and sisters are. And, and the reality is brothers and sisters, they fight sometimes. They don't always agree, you know. They're not always perfectly united together all the time, but they got each other's backs. When my brother got in a fight, I was in a fight. When I got into a fight, I mean, I could call my brothers today and be like, hey, we got to kill somebody today. They'd be like, man, I'm there. I'll see you later tonight. You know what I mean? That's what brothers do. I mean, we're Chicago boys too, so, you know, we're a little dirty sometimes. Do you see yourself as a brother and sister? Because brothers and sisters always believe the best. You know, as the church grows, the community grows, and new people come in, I want a spirit of inclusion. I want a spirit of saying, you know what? The day you walk in this house, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome to the family. We don't care where you're from. We don't care who you are. We don't care what you have or what you don't have. We don't care your baggage. We don't care about any of that. You're here to worship Jesus with us? Come on. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're family. We speak the best about each other. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 says this. Make allowance for each other's faults. Have a spot in your heart for people. Can we do that as a community? Can we do that as believers in Christ Jesus? See, Jesus knows you're going to make mistakes. Can we just have an understanding that brothers and sisters are going to make mistakes, they're going to fall down, they're going to have failures? It says this, and forgive anyone who offends you. Listen, we're humans. Humans say really stupid things all the time. You say stupid things all the time, okay? We're not all communication majors. We don't know how to perfectly communicate to each other. So guess what? People are going to say things that offend you. People are going to do things that offend you. But can we make room in our heart full of the love of Jesus that when people offend us and they make mistakes, which they will, we can go, you know what? You're my brother and sister and I got your back and I'm going to cover it with the love of Jesus and I'm not going to talk bad about you and I'm not going to talk smack on uh, Facebook and Instagram and I'm going to have your back through this time. Can we do that? As one family, together. See, this whole chapter, chapter 2, starts with a warning. A warning to people who have fallen away from Jesus. What are we going to do when people fall away? What's our response going to be like? What's our response going to be like if they fall away and we don't see them for a while and then they show back up on Sunday morning? What are we going to respond with? Are we going to respond with grace? Because I believe Hebrews chapter 2 is God's response to those who have fallen away from Christ and he responds to them with what? Grace. Hey, I know you're struggling. 
And I understand your struggles because I was a human once too. I understand what you're feeling and I want to show you my love and my grace and how it abounds. That's what Hebrews chapter two is about. It's a picture of God's goodness and his grace for humanity. Why don't you stand up this morning? So like I said earlier, we got some cool things happening. October 1st, we're launching a second service. Can we give it up for that, everybody? Come on now. Super excited about that. You know, I'll tell you this much. We started this church a year and a half ago, and um, God's just been so faithful, and he's been so good. And, um, I try to say this all the time. We are so privileged, and we feel like it's such an honor to pastor you. Such an honor to love you. It's such an honor to stand in life with you. We're excited about the second service, but we also understand this, that adding the second service, we're gonna add people to the family, right? We're gonna add people to our community. And churches, I, I can't tell you the names of the churches, but I can tell you so many people have walked into this church and they said, I've gone to three, four, five different churches and nobody said anything to me. Nobody said hi to me. Nobody greeted me. Nobody said anything. And I always say, man, I'm so sorry. That is not the kingdom of God. That is not what the kingdom of God looks like. We want to be a community that when new people walk in, we go, you know what? Welcome. We love you. We're excited you're here. We're excited to get to know you. That's a big deal to us. So... What we're gonna do over the next 21 days is this. We're just gonna do some prayer and fasting for this season that we're about to go into as a church. And so um, I know when you hear the word fasting, I mean, everybody like cringes. They're like, oh, you know, like, I mean, to be honest. Um, so this is what I'm fasting, okay? I'm fasting the two most important things in my life. Uh, that would be McDonald's, Coke, Okay, can I get an amen for McDonald's Coke from somebody? Yes, yes, yes. The rest of you are lying and going to hell, okay, you know. I love McDonald's Coke, and I love sugar. I promise you, like, I could eat a whole slew of candy bars right now, okay? I promise you, all I've been dreaming about, because I've actually been fasting for the last five days. So please do not tempt me with sugar right now, okay? I may break down in my flesh. But we wanna ask you to figure out something you could fast. Maybe it's social media, maybe it's something you eat. I don't know what that is for you, but would you please consider fasting something over the next 21 days and agreeing in faith for this new service that it's going to be dynamic and that as we bring people into our community that they feel the genuine love of Jesus Christ. They feel what it's like to be a part of a family. They feel like what it's like to be a part of a community. They feel what it's like to be part of a home. That's what we're gonna believe for. And so what we're gonna do is this. Every day at noon on Facebook Live and Instagram, we're gonna be praying. Uh, if you can jump online, we would love for you to jump online with us. And then on Thursday nights, I'm teaching Thursday night, this Thursday night, I'm teaching right here in this room, seven o'clock, Revive Nights, I'm talking about how to strengthen yourself in God. We're gonna pray at the end of all those Thursday nights for our church, for our city, for our area. And it's gonna be super good, amen? I hope you're excited. It's gonna be a great, 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 great season 
of the church. Amen? Amen. Amen. God's so good. God's so good. Why don't you close your eyes with me this morning? I want to ask if there's anybody in the house today. Maybe you once gave your life to the Lord, but you've drifted off, kind of like Hebrews chapter 2 is talking about. Or maybe you've never given your life to the Lord before, but today you just sense God's love and His grace pouring out upon you today. I want to assure you that that's God speaking to your heart today. That's God's love. It's God's grace. You might have felt like the message was just for you today. Well, it was. It was God in His goodness knowing that you were going to be here today. And the Bible says this, that if we confess with our mouth, that he is Lord and he is faithful to forgive us of this junk, of this sin, of our past, and to give us a hope and a future in him. So I wanna to ask today, with every eye closed, if you're in this house and you go, you know what, Pastor Jeff, I need to pray that prayer today. I need to allow Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want you to just throw your hand up real quick. Just throw your hand up if that's you here today. Hallelujah, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's do this. Why don't we grab hands and let's pray this prayer together as a, as a community. Say, Jesus, I surrender to you. Thank you for becoming a human just like me, experiencing all that I have, but laying your life down on the cross for my sin, for my guilt, for my shame. Today I choose you and your grace and your goodness. I confess today that you are Lord of my life. Thank you for your goodness. Let me pray for you today. Father, we love you. Lord, I lift up everybody here today and I just pray that you'd bless them, that you'd favor them, that you would increase their life this week. God, I pray as they're going through their work week, I pray that they would feel tangibly your love, your grace, your strength upon them. God, we love you and we praise you and we worship you. And everybody agreed, said, amen. Come on, give it up for Jesus this morning. He's so, so, so good. Well, we love you. Hey, please, please be safe tomorrow. Have a great day today and tomorrow. Relax, enjoy your time off. And uh, we will see you next Sunday. We love you. Have a great week.